Alrighty. Here we are. Welcome back. I feeling good. There's a good feeling in the gym tonight. Yeah, Welcome absolutely. back to another episode of Pop Cult. <laughs> yet, uh, yet another right. Pop Cult. Oh, God. Oh, yet God. another. The cult rides again. The cult. Uh, yeah, welcome back. I am one half of your host, Sarah Lyons. And I'm the other half of your host, Owen Ginley. And now I feel like we are some like mythical creature with two heads that is... Um, is that not? Rom- romping around selling, uh, selling uh, fidget spinners to, uh, to folks. <laughs> that, that's, our, that's our latest merchandising idea. I give full credit for that to our uh, lovely producer, uh, Zach, who we found in a, we found him in a dumpster. He was a, a, a baby, a golden glowing baby. His first idea that he bequeathed to us after he um, blessed our microphones uh, with, with, with a, uh, a glance. With a, with a glance, they started glowing a, a silvery glow, and everything that we recorded came out perfect. And he was like, fidget spinners, fidget spinners. And then he disappeared yeah. into the ether, leaving us with his infinite wisdom. Yeah, and we'll remember him to this day, R.I.P. Producer Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, is he resting, though? I feel like he's always acting. He'll come back someday as the legends, as the ancient scrolls portend. Zach will come back to us someday. He's like Frosty the Snowman. Um, He he will be back Once only comes back. Someday. (laughs) Someday. Someday. Uh, So, yeah, speaking of ancient texts and and ancient scrolls and legendary beings in the legendary illuminated beings from the the stars beyond, uh, we're talking astrology today. Yes, we are. Um, What what is what is astrology? I I mean, I'm I'm not super familiar with it. I don't um, I I, I just kind of signed up for this. I I just signed up for this (laughs) because I just really like wearing black all the time and I really don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you answered the the ad that I put out in the Daily Prophet, and you just yeah, kind of yeah. were like, oh, the podcast, that's that's a fun thing the kids are doing. It wasn't really the Daily Prophet, it was just the New York Times, and I was really just like kind of astonished that you know, the picture was moving, so I had to call in and figure out just how the fuck you did that. Like, and then I just sent you a fucking gif, I just sent you a fucking gif maker, and then you were like, <laughs> God damn it! I already signed up. <laughs> yeah, and I and I no, I mean I was I was blown away and grateful for that because I did not know what a gift was. The gift, the gift of gifts. Yes, yes, we we are yeah. the, we are the so givers yeah. of gifts. We're, yeah, we're talking about gifts. We're talking about memes today, specifically astrology May-mays. memes, May-mays. Um, which is why I'm so happy. I I mean I'm a fan of memes personally. It's where I get most of my news from and sure. knowledge about the world outside. Sure, absolutely. It's which also, might, it's also um, since I don't have health insurance, it's my substitute for therapy, um, which is you know really absolutely, helpful. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that a gif of like Kim, uh, Kim Kardashian crying, talking about how bad your day was. It helps me a whole lot more than like calling my parents. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or or you know the uh, the, the three step memes where it's just like pizza five dollars. Uh, a bottle of wine, ten dollars. Um, the crushing anxiety of living under a late capitalist system where you have to have experience to get a job, but you have to have a job to get experience. Priceless, you know. That just totally, you know. I, I now I don't have to externalize that thought ever. Yeah, that last part isn't priceless though, because like, I mean, it actually costs a lot of money to live <laughs> under a current economic system. Anyways, that's another episode. That's a whole other thing we should talk about. But today, yeah, we're being joined by uh, astrologer extraordinaire, Vice's official astrologer, Annabelle Gatt, and a personal friend of mine also. Annabelle, thank you so much for joining us on Pop Cult. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. 
This is so exciting. Oh my God, I can't believe you were able to make it onto one of our inaugural episodes, one of our first few. I feel so lucky and so honored. Oh I'm so God, happy. Yes. We're, we're, we're very you know, grateful. You know, as a Leo, yes. You know, as a Leo, I, I survive. My diet is like 50% food, 50% compliments. So that really does mean a lot. <laughs> really, really, it's 50 50. Are you sure? It's are you sure it's yeah, not? Yeah, I don't know. It's 75 25. I was going to say, yes. Oh yeah, my God, 70, guys. <laughs> If I had known this was going to start with a roast, I would have thought, I would have thought differently. <laughs> Surprise roast. Surprise, Surprise roast, Surprise roast of Sarah. Well, you know, we all have Leos somewhere in our charts, so everyone can relate, even if they're not a sun sign Leo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, yeah. so today, I mean, so what we're kind of doing here on this podcast, this year podcast of ours, this year ship that we're sailing, is trying to look at like kind of like the occult and like pop culture and things kind of from like a... A slightly skewed lens, like I suppose, a slightly uh, not cri- critical sounds critical. That sounds like we're stuffy people sitting around criticizing everything. But from like, like a thoughtful like, lens. Yeah, yeah, a, th- a thoughtful lens. I like that. I like that much more. Yeah, actually, yeah. critical um, is exactly some- what we're trying to avoid because Sarah and I started this podcast because we were we, we were looking for an occult podcast with a skewed lens, um, and we didn't really we didn't really find one. Um, that would that was willing to uh, be candid and frank about how the certain trends in the occult actually made them feel, which is kind of one of the reasons why we brought you on because we want to talk about memes, Annabelle. Do you want to talk about what? You tell me, we memes. want to talk about memes. memes. How do you feel memes. about memes? I thought yeah. you said meanings, and I was like, oh. Meanings. <laughs> we want to just talk about the meanings of words, the meanings of thoughts. Have, yes. you, have you ever thought about yeah. meanings? Well, yeah, there's a lot of astrology memes out there. Yeah, that was that was an episode I, I remember when we first started this. I really wanted to talk to you about because I know this is a thought that I've kind of had, but I know you've kind of articulated this a lot better than I could have. And like various tweets that you've sent out or like posts that I've seen you make on Facebook, but just kind of like the the memification of astrology and how like a lot of young people who are getting into astrology now are like basically just learning about astrology like not even from books or like things you pick up at the airport but like literally just from memes Mm -hmm. and i don't know i mean so so first of all tell us a little bit about yourself how did you learn uh your trade as an astrologer well i always loved paranormal things you know, so as like a young person walking around Barnes and Noble bookstore or whatever bookstore, like that was like the section of the bookstore that I was just like magnetically attracted to. And I think like most young people, I was interested in learning more about myself. And astrology was like a really interesting way to do that. You know, we all have like a sun sign and all these other planets and different signs. It's a really interesting way to get to know yourself. So that's how I got into it as a young person. I actually got my own first astrology book for myself that wasn't like a random book my parents had around the, you know, apartment growing up. I got my first astrology book the weekend that Princess Diana died. So it's like forever like burned in my mind. Um, And, um, you know, I was really into astrology as a young person. But throughout high school, I was very skeptical and I wasn't really into astrology at all in high school. And in high school, I was, you know, into politics and I was into feminism and I was into like why is our 
right to do what I want with our body being threatened. And, totally. you know, being someone who would sometimes be confronted by people who would think that, you know, abortion should be illegal because of spiritual reasons. I was like that it, to me is just so doesn't make any sense. So being that I had like these political leanings and these, you know, scientific leanings, I just was really unattracted to spirituality of any kind because I just felt like it was um, taking us away from uh, from freedom, you know? Yeah. Uh, but eventually, you know, I think I was 18 or 19 and I went to a ghost hunting meetup with a friend of mine as just a joke. Hell yeah, dude. Nice. And I had that so was- much fun. And, you know, like the, the 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 glacier inside of me around like the occult just began to melt. And I was like, no, I fucking love this stuff, you know? And I just Did kind you- of got like I returned to like my childhood roots of like being like a witch. Like I think that all kids, you know, when you're like 11, 12, you know, 13, like when you're prepubescent, all people are just witches like there's there's nothing witchier or more magical than you know when you are first old enough to like escape your parents place by yourself and like you go off into like the woods or an abandoned building and you and your friends start like collecting stones and like making like a circle in the middle and every and like people just start getting you know like yo it's so true it's i feel like like girls sleepovers like when i was a kid it was always like what like demon can we summon like what ritual can we perform like there was always a part in the night where girls were like okay we have to find like a ritual to do and it's like why like (laughs) why did we have these thoughts so young oh yeah i true. like i vividly remember in middle school it's me and two of my friends trying to see if we could get telekinesis to work like it, we, you know, it, it, there's yeah. something about like that particular age. Well, that particular age gap between like like five and like thirteen, I guess, or five or five and yeah. twelve, where y- when you get together and there's no parental supervision, you try to see if you can really like bend the rules to the point where reality bends. It's really strange. Like it kind of goes hand in yeah. hand with that like unfettered imagination, you know. We're not just trying to break the rules of our parents. We're trying to break the rules of physics. Right. (laughs) (laughs) We want to see how far we can take things. And, yeah, whether, like, you're a little girl at a sleepover or even – I see here, you you know, people talk about when they were a young boy or even if you are gender nonconforming. I don't care who Mm -hmm. you are. You, as a kid, probably were very witchy because it comes naturally to all of us. For sure. For sure. I think something also happens to us, which is that when we get a little bit older, like around like after 13, I think for a lot of people, there is this kind of pull away where you're like, what what are the facts? Like, what is truth? Like, what is real? And there's, you know, something very interesting happens around age 14, 15, uh, you know, 16. We're in the middle of our Saturn opposition. So we've all heard of the Saturn return, right? Which is when... We have to like grow up and be mature and be responsible. But mm. halfway to that, we're at the Saturn opposition, which is where we rebel against our parents. And we're trying to differentiate ourselves from like the community we came from to like realize who we are. And that's the halfway point until we get to the Saturn return, which is like when you become like, when you like, oh my God, I've become my mother, or I've become my father, <laughs> right? So, That's so interesting. Okay. I think it's kind of around the Saturn um, opposition that a lot of people, um, not everyone, obviously, but I think a lot of people are kind of question like, you know, I used to do, I used to play with the Ouija boards at, you know, so-and-so slumber party, but like, I'm, 
I'm cool now and I smoke cigarettes and, <laughs> you know, like there can be kind of a shift for many people, not everyone, but for me there was. And it wasn't until I got out of high school um, that I was kind of like able to explore my interests again mm -hmm. in a new yet familiar way. And I was like, I fucking love this shit. Like, why was I ever denying myself this pleasure? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a very there, similar yeah. experience with that too. Yeah, where I, I also went to, um, I, I had pretty devoutly Catholic parents. They weren't super restrictive about everything. Um, like they were, they were cool with me drinking on the weekends, but they weren't cool with me, you know, like having sex or something like that. Or they weren't cool with only me, the blessed like, wine, though. Huh? Only, only the blessed wine. Only, only the blood. Of only Christ the, only the blessed on the wine. We can only get inebriated off of the blood of Christ. Um. So, but I also went to an all dudes Catholic high school. So, um, my, oh, I, I had no. like, I, yeah. So I had like this weird like, tri breaking of consciousness where I had like this. This uh, Catholic spirituality that I was like immersed in, whether I liked it or not, and then I also had like the the kind of rebellion from that was where new new atheism was kind of in vogue then, and that was kind of seen in my per, my particular milieu, that was kind of seen as the main route of sticking it to the man, or kind of like Annabelle said, that was our smoking cigarettes was was saying fuck God, mm -hmm. um, you know who are you to tell me what to do? You reading Richard Dawkins was you smoke was you smoking cigarettes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like literally, yeah, literally, like reading Sartre was smoking <laughs> smoking cigarettes, and then but then I was also <laughs> having these like crazy ass like dream and astral projection experiences as a teenager, that I was trying to reconcile with both of those things that I was experiencing. And it wasn't until I got out of that purview in my early 20s that I, that I remembered that, that I had been interested in magic and ghosts and aliens and the occult for like as long as I can remember. And it's so interesting that that actual sense of rebellion against like the cosmic order, if you want to call it, if you look at witchcraft in that way, um, comes later on in life rather than as that teenager you know what i mean as, as society likes to put it specifically in that part of the of, of like the growing up process does that make sense yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah yeah i mean that's kind of that's kind of when i turned to to witchcraft a bit actually was was right around that time so it's interesting because like i always put the year like 14 as like when i kind of became a witch or like formally kind of started to be like no, I'm I'm actually into this stuff. I'm gonna like pursue it like more further. I'm gonna read books about it and stuff. And so it's I don't know. I never I never realized that there was like an astrological connection to that. So that's really interesting. Yeah, that is totally. Really I mean, m my parents were woo woo. You know, like totally. And my my dad would like when I was like a kid would ask me to like use a pendulum to figure out whether or not he should do business deals. And my mom is really that's into so this cool. stuff. So for me, my 14 year old was like, my, my Saturn opposition was like, no, none of this stuff. <laughs> so we're all different, um, but I'm so glad I returned to it because I do love it. And um, when I started going to astrology circles in my late teens, early 20s, that was when I saw that people actually did astrology for a living and being able to see that would, like left a really big impression on me. And that inspired me to you know, buy more books and to make it my career and to give people readings. And this wasn't that long ago, really, but it was long enough ago that the world online was totally different you know so we're thinking back to like 2004 2005 2006 Facebook was just invented like 
I wasn't hanging out on Facebook when I was 18. I was out spending time with people and like living my life. And like the social media was not what it was back then. So for the, those like first beginning years for me of, um, re-immersing myself in astrology and as an adult, like deciding, all right, I want to study this. There weren't like memes. There was it there. There was totally like astro.com and definitely online resources, but they were pretty, you know, serious and like kind of thick and you'd have to read through all of it. And sure, there were plenty of like, you know, dumb blogs out there. But it was if you were kind of discerning enough, you could figure out like what was crap and what wasn't. So it was very different. And it, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to like dive into the episode kind of around there. Like I, I think like it's so interesting to me. I, I can never decide because I have that same kind of pang when I look at like some young people online and by young people i mean pretty much people around my age like who am i who am i kidding i'm not we're not actually that old i'm like 26 and i'm acting like i'm this like 80 year old but but like seeing people kind of like learn or at least like get into astrology like primarily like from memes on facebook and like text over a spongebob picture that it's like this is totally an aquarius thing to do and it's i can't i can't decide whether it's just like me being a gatekeeper that it makes me upset sometimes or if it's me actually like if there actually is some kind of problem with learning about this stuff in that way and I don't know I mean Annabelle you've talked about this a lot so I don't know if you have like an opinion on that so when we think about the word occult it means hidden and I think for a lot of us who have um, become interested in any sort of occult topic before social media became a thing so let's say you know Facebook came around in 2004, give it like another five or six years by 2010, kind of everyone was using these things. Then I think the memes kind of started around 2013, 2014, I would say, and then kind of really kicked off, I would think like 2015 to now. I don't know if you guys would agree with that timeline. Well, right yeah, right after like 2012, probably- uh, oddly enough, is, is when the meme apocalypse happened, clearly. Yeah, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yes, absolutely. Hot so take. I think for all of us, who got into the occult before that period, the occult means hidden. And part of like the beauty of being into these things is that there's an an initiation that happens whether or not you want to. It's you stumbling into the weird part of the bookstore accidentally. It's Mm -hmm. you meeting, like accidentally meeting some kids around your age in like a parking lot. And like, you know, they're like, oh, we're into this stuff, are you? And you're like, no, what is it? You know what I mean? There's like this. I love that image. I love that image of like a bunch of like like, (laughs) cool, like Wiccan kids wearing leather jackets. Like, do you even know what the threefold law is? Exactly. (laughs) Like, and that is, you know, like the occult is hidden so to stumble upon it is this beautiful thing that I think a lot of elder even if you're 26 or 25 or 24 you know people who are interested in the call it's something that we like hold dear is that stumbling onto you know Mm -hmm. and for and for me it's like my first stumbling onto is finding these books like in my actual home and then being like oh my god is there more out there and finding it in the bookstore and again again as an adult is like going to this ghost hunting meetup as a joke and realizing like no I'm full in I'm, I love those experiences and I want everyone to have something like that, but they're not because now the occult is not hidden anymore. And I think that's heartbreaking for so many of us, but but like everything, this is a trend and it will go away and the occult will become occult again.
fun. And for now, everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different way that they get into things. The people who really love astrology, they might get into it because of memes. But if they really love astrology, they will make the effort to go to classes. They will make the effort to read books. But there's certainly going to be a bunch of, you know, dummies out there that only care about the memes. And you know what? Good for them because not everyone needs to be an astrologer. Totally. True. Yeah. It would, t- it would certainly hurt you if everyone was an astrologer. What? It would, hurt your, it would hurt your business if everyone was an astrologer, but you're still the best, so it really wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think it would. I, I, don't... <laughs> I, I don't think it would. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, um, I don't only listen to one band or only like one kind of music or only like one musician. And I think yeah. it would be amazing if everyone knew how to play a, a musical instrument. And I feel the same way about astrology. Like, I hope everyone learns some astrology. And the more astrologers there are out there, the better, because... How boring would it be to only read one horoscope a month? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, I mostly only read yours, so. Thank you. <laughs> I guess I kind of wanted to, to go into that a little further, what you were talking about, is like, do you think that further research is needed then? After the people kind of get their their kind of basic bit of knowledge on the internet, they, they get like hooked on, they get hooked on memes, they get those <laughs> sweet, dank memes, and they get hooked on the stuff. Um, do you think that further research is needed to be considered like, literate in astrology or is this like another kind of form of gatekeeping almost yeah and like what's is is there Um, is there even a good way to go about that now too like as far as are there no gates anymore um i know i I know like obviously you said that the people who are going to be astrologers and who are really interested in it are going to be hungry enough to go search out that knowledge but like what since there's so many like so many seeming avenues at this point in time like what 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 do you think is the best route to go for somebody who's just getting into it well if there's an in-person astrology circle near you i think that is so valuable you know um and maybe i sound like an old person being like you know don't just go to an online community but if you can actually sit with people and talk to them about astrology and look at charts in real time together and have a real time conversation with each other um i think that's really special and again maybe i sound like really old and maybe you know i'm not part of the internet age for thinking that and it's fine if I'm wrong, but that's what I, that's what my personal opinion is, is that in-person groups are really great. And if you could do that, you should. Um, and there are a lot of amazing books out there and there are also astrology conferences you can attend. So I would say to, you know, two things like read, read a book. Cause like books are much longer than memes and have Go much read more. read a book. Yeah. Read a book and read a um, book, try kids. to, try to attend an event, try to attend something in person. There are a lot of really amazing online astrology communities. One of them is Hypatia group, which is my community. And there is so much you can learn Bug. from those online communities too. But I do think there is something special about, um, being in the same room as people talking about it. Uh, and then I don't really know if this was part of your question or not, but I think one thing that is annoying about like astrology meme culture is that, People have learned a lot about astrology through these memes. And then they start coming up with their own Twitter or Instagram feeds that are about astrology. And they're basically just taking the knowledge that they've learned from memes and applying it to their own memes that they're making, which is which I would be totally fine with. But they're also trying to give like life advice and like astrological teaching. But it's so easy for me as someone who's actually studied this to tell when someone knows what they're talking about or if someone is summarizing something which is incorrect. And there's so much more of that now than there used to be. And I don't know if it's the meme's fault or if it's social media's fault and now everyone has a microphone. But I can tell you that the majority of what you see out there, and quite frankly, a lot of these people have 
hundreds of thousands of followers sometimes or tens of thousands because they're good at marketing and they're good at social media, but they're not good at astrology. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of what I mean is like, it's, yeah, like it's, it's kind of, you're like watching this. It can be, I kind of go back and forth because sometimes I think it's so awesome that like this ancient information is like available for free online to anybody who wants it. And then it's like, we live in such an amazing age that like, you don't have to like go up to the top of a mountain and like, give an old man three gold coins that you got from like this witch in your village in order to like learn this ancient art of astrology right like sometimes I think it's cool that we don't have to go to those lengths anymore but sometimes I'm like you see the people on like Twitter or on Instagram or Facebook who obviously kind of learned this stuff pretty recently probably through like reading a lot of memes or some like very like quick blog posts that you know maybe didn't go as into depth as they maybe should have Mm-hmm. And then they just kind of start to regurgitate. It's like it just keeps like like a file that you keep recording over and over again. Like it just gets further corrupted. Yeah. The more it goes like it just goes down this like human centipede of knowledge until it's like what what does it end up being at the end? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I I can tell you when this trend will be over if you want. Ooh, please. Ooh. You know. Astrology isn't the only thing that's trendy. Tarot is trendy. Witchcraft is mm-hmm. trendy. All of this is very trendy stuff. Um, could the two of you tell me the the year that you would say this trend began? I'm just curious. Ooh. Well, I mean, I think I remember seeing I I remember seeing good like graphics around witchcraft around like 2000. 13 I would say was when I started to see like the craft kind of trending again and like 90s witchy witchy imagery kind of coming into fashion and stuff like that and I grew up in Bushwick there was like I think that's when Catland even started Catland books here in Brooklyn which Mm -hmm. I'm a reader at please please Mm -hmm. book a reading for me yeah and I I think the the (laughs) same thing too about like 20 maybe maybe even later like 2015 I would say right around that time all right Okay. I'm, I'm glad to hear both of you say that. So when I look at like big trends in the world, I'm looking at the outer planets, right? And Neptune is one of the outer planets and it's the planet of belief. It's what people believe in. And from 1998 until 2011, Neptune was an Aquarius. So can either of you take a guess at what people believed in when, when Neptune was an Aquarius? Well, it's kind of when like new atheism was trending, right? And if if you think of Aquarius as like detached or detached from the world or viewing the world from a very like overly logical, uh, I don't want to say unemotional because that's not true. I know plenty of emotional Aquariuses, but um, it, 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 am I am I making sense? Um, so yes, it goes they're from... scientific, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So when Neptune, um, Sarah, do you have any ideas? Oh no, I, I kind of I'm gonna just co-sign okay. everything Owen just said. So when Neptune was in Aquarius, people believed in science. But again, you know, like you said, Aquarius is also kind of new age. So people believed in science, but they were also new agey and, you know, into aliens and into. um, But really, it's Neptune says, I believe Aquarius is like, I believe in science. I believe in um, the future. I believe in technology, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But then in 2011, Neptune entered Pisces. And what does Pisces believe in? Pisces is like the spiritualist, right? Pisces is doing seances. It's playing with Ouija boards. Pisces is a witch. It's very psychic. It's very, you know, it's, you know, Aquarius is certainly into astrology and the new age. 
but it's still very scientific and is like testing things. But Aquarius is just full on in. So starting in 2011, you know, like we kind of slowly started seeing these witch things come into trend. And then, yeah, by the time 2012, 2013 rolled around, it was a full on phenomenon. So right now we're all like, we believe in Pisces. We believe in magic, Neptune and Pisces. So Neptune is going to stay in Pisces until 2025. And then it's going to enter Aries. And I don't even know what people are going to be believing in that. I'm not, I think it's a little too soon for me to make a prediction. (laughs) But if we think about Aries as being the first sign in the Zodiac, it's like the sign of the self. Like people are going to be believing in themselves. You know, there's probably going to be a a huge, maybe self-help movement or maybe a movement around like psychology or mental health or something like that. It could also be, I mean, like, do you think that that could be, because I know that you've also said this before, um, but like there's a, like the, like America's Pluto return is coming in 2022. And then for Neptune to kind of enter Aries after that happens, that feels like a lot of kind of like aggressive energy sort of entering our stratosphere. Yes, absolutely. Um, Pluto is going to shift signs. Um, I, I don't remember if it's 2022 or 2023. I think it's 23. Um, and, you know, Pluto destroys and, and rebuilds whatever it touches. So right now Pluto is in Capricorn. And when Pluto entered Capricorn in 2008, What did we have? The financial collapse. Capricorn is a sign of big business, of money, right? Um, And so when Pluto entered Capricorn, we had this financial collapse that then had to be rebuilt. That's what Pluto does. It it collapses things and things are rebuilt. Um, Pluto also has to do with power. Capricorn Mm. is the sign of the businessman. Who do we have in power in this country? The literal, wow. Oh, my God. Fake businessman, but yeah. 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 You know? So... Um, you know, Pluto in Aquarius is going to be destroying Aquarian things. So what is Aquarius? Aquarius is technology. Aquarius is the internet. So I don't think people are going to be using social media at all at that point. We're going to be tight. We're going to have computer fatigue. No one's going to want to carry on a cell phone anymore. We're going to be over it. It's going to be so, oh my God, that is so 2010 to have a to have a cell phone why do you have one why are you carrying that around yeah right, I, guys we're we're calling it we're calling it right now to when if this podcast still exists in 2025 this is going to be the anarcho primitive comment uh, <laughs> anarcho primitive uh podcast we're going to be broadcasting out of a cave and like the somewhere in the great north and we're going to be telling you all how to like filter your urine to like survive in the wilderness it's yeah, sterile I, mean, I think the internet's still going to be yeah. around i think we're still going to enjoy podcasts but you know what podcasts actually offer like interesting information it's not just scrolling through junk when you enjoy a podcast right and i think that's really going to be what we're getting rid of with pluto and aquarius there's not going to be really any more scrolling because we're going to be much more concerned about living in the real world i think well and also Um, too with with podcasts and and i live in la so i'm in my car a lot and i love listening to podcasts in my car because it's like having this kind of sounds kind of sad like i don't have any friends or anything but like it's kind of like having people in your car having that conversation with somebody and there's something so i love that mesh of the digital and the analog where you're able to have a real connective experience with somebody um, via technology. And yeah, I don't think social media, I mean, it, it kind of offers that, but it's also based on an extractive ideology. So it's kind of like extracting your converse, your, the, the value of your conversations, whereas podcasts kind of like add to that or create new Absolutely. avenues for that. Yeah. 
if I listen to a podcast I really love and that's really informative, when the episode's over, I feel refreshed. I feel renewed, right? Absolutely. I feel energized. Yeah. yeah. But if I'm just scrolling through content after, you know, and I'm doing it out of boredom, when I'm done, I feel gross. Yeah, I feel tired and like like I just ate fast food. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of want to bring it back then to the theme of the episode then of like, so if if a lot of people are learning about, you know, astrology or about like the occult in general, about witchcraft, about these spiritual practices, um, and we're doing it kind of through this sort of nauseating, kind of taxing, like I find after if I scroll too much on my phone, I get a headache, I feel nauseous, I don't feel good after a while. I don't know, I just, this is a question for everyone here, but I mean, like, what do we feel about people learning about these types of practices through a medium that maybe doesn't make us feel very good at the end of the day? Whereas, and I, I mean, I love astrology and I love magic because I feel like it gives me this like connectedness to like the universe and like, I really feel like a one with like the stars and like my fellow people because I feel like we're all connected through this like cosmic, you know, through this cosmic stardust connection thing. I'm very articulate. You can tell today. But oh, no, I think absolutely. That, like, you know, there's a there's a cause there's sort of a cosmic connection that astrology can kind of lend people. And it's, you know, we're kind of learning about it now in this very alienating sense of like going through Instagram or like scrolling through a meme page on Facebook, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, I mean like, go ahead, Annabelle. It, if you're learning math and you have a crappy teacher, you're probably going to be bad at, bad at math, right? Oh, yeah. If you're learning astrology through memes, you're learning it through the worst teacher possible, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so you're going to be bad at astrology. So if you're not trying to be an astrologer, have fun with all the memes in the world. It doesn't matter. It's just entertainment. But if you're trying to use entertainment for, for spiritual um, growth or for intellectual growth or to learn how to practice astrology which is is an actual technique you're never going to get anywhere with memes you just won't so it's one of those things where it's like if you love and care about someone and you see that they're getting into some you know dank memes you want to pull them aside and let them know like hey it's okay to look at memes but you want to realize if you want to do this for real let's also also sign you up for some real classes hey kid i know those memes yeah. seem cool and all but they're actually not really good for you exactly <laughs> you, you, you know PSA. those things are bad for you right it's like a it's like a bad uh anti-tobacco commercial um yeah, yeah but but um i i think like... i have one more thing to say if it's oh, go okay ahead. Yeah, yeah yeah um i d i don't have a problem with all memes some astrology memes and some astrology meme content creators are really really funny and really witty and I think that part of the reason why I like them is because I can also tell with the way that they deliver information that they're not trying to take on the posture of like, this is your spiritual enlightenment. Here's the SpongeBob meme about Tauruses. You know what I mean? So if, 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 I can, if I get a sense that the meme creator also has a sense of humor about it and they're actually funny, I think that's great. There is nothing in and of themselves wrong with memes what's wrong is when people take memes to be something that they actually aren't and then when they you know the thing is like if you don't know anything about astrology other than what you get from memes and then you're charging for readings you're exploiting people and you're a charlatan that's where the problem comes in mm. if you don't know anything about witchcraft except for like what you've learned from instagram posts but you're charging people like for uncrossing spells or to cast a spell for like the love of their life you're it's it's you're a scam. It's a scam. Church. And that's church. that's what's terrible about these Take kinds of things. Church. But if it's just pure entertainment, of course it's totally fine. And there are plenty of meme pages that are astrology pages that I absolutely love and I think are hilarious. So I 
really want to say it's not that I hate memes or I think memes are bad. I think it's what people can do with them if they're not being conscious. Preach, preach, preach. church. Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we would be like fucking hypocrites if we said we weren't into like mixing. I mean, like, for God's sakes, we're we're a comedy occult podcast. Like, I'm I'm all down for some from some good memes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I am also a little. I mean, because obviously the situation is nuanced. I'm a little torn on the use of the digital to facilitate an analog uh, magical practice of any kind. But at the same time, I mean, like I've met folks in Los Angeles. That was actually one of the things that helped me uh, meet. Uh, occult practitioners, astrologers, what have you in, in LA was, you know, being on the internet and being in Facebook groups and, you know, being on forums and, and whatnot, not to date myself, but being on forums and, and, and saying, hey, do you guys want to go have a drink at such and such? And meeting yeah. up and having those conversations over, over a beer or something like that connection and knowing that you have a you have a community of people that are fairly easily accessible um, to discuss these things with. It just, I feel it's a, such a good antidote against that alienation that social media perpetuates. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Annabelle, I wanted to ask you a little bit because I know that you're a certified astrologer. I want to actually ask about like what the process of like certification looks like. Okay. So, mm -hmm. First off, I want to say that I don't think you need to be certified to be anything. And I think in a, lo in a lot of ways, like certifications and stuff like that, kind of, um, I don't, uh, I have, I'm trying to have to figure out a way to like articulate this correctly. But like academia, I think is like cheesy sometimes, if that makes sense. You know, no, totally. Yeah, it's like especially with something like astrology it's like or, or with the occult in general we all know those like people who call themselves witches but they've read a lot of books but never actually done anything and that's even worse in the astrology community plenty of people have read lots and lots and lots and lots of books but how many charts have they actually read how many how many mm. clients have they actually seen how many things have they how many like uh you know how many times have they started a business and and made a chart for it to be the most auspicious day possible and like seeing how it actually worked out right and well, actually if you had read crowley's earlier writings you would understand that if, if, if you had done crowley's yogic exercises that's you have to do that before you summon the demons of course <laughs> yeah so yeah. i think a lot of times with like certification it's like yeah someone could be certified but like do they have they have they practiced like you might know all this stuff but have you actually done it so I can say for myself, yes, I have actually done it. I've done it for a very long time. And the reason why I got certified was kind of as a test to myself to see if I could pass because these certifications, they are really hard to pass. But again, mm. you can memorize all of this stuff in books, but book knowledge is not real, is not street smarts, you know? Mm. So I am pleased to say I have both. And I took the test because I was born with Saturn and Sagittarius. And, you know, Sagittarius Ooh. is the seeker, the visionary, the traveler. And, you know, they're, they, they're also very, you know, uh, smart people who, if we think about Chiron, which is like, you know, one of the mythologies related to Sagittarius, Chiron was the wounded healer. And, you know, Chiron had this wound that would never go away. So he became like this brilliant astrologer, astronomer, mathematician, and doctor. And he just became this really learned person, right? Um, 
So for me, with Saturn and Sagittarius, Saturn has to do with maturity and hard work. And I have it in Sagittarius. So I've dropped out of school plenty of times because mm -hmm. Saturn a lot of times is kind of like what's difficult for us. And for me, like being in school was like, no, this Saturn and Sag girl wants to go travel, wants to see the world, wants to meet people. Like being pent up in a classroom for my little centaur legs was like too much for me. But oh, I still really craved knowledge. So for my Saturn return, I was like, all right, I'm going to honor my Saturn return by finally getting like a fucking like certification in something because I dropped out of college and didn't finish. And I love astrology. So I was going to do that for myself. So I took my astrology test the same way I took my SATs which was that I drank the night before and didn't study for it once. Hell so, yeah. <laughs> so, oh, of Punk course, rock. of Punk course, I flung to my SATs, but I passed my astrology test with flying colors, and I was, I think, the first person done, and I was done an hour early. I don't remember if this test is five or six hours long, but it is five or six hours long. It is extremely hard. Most people don't pass it. And in order to sign up to even take the test, you usually have to show that you have been practicing astrology for at least 10 years before you can even try to take the test. And you have to, oh, wow. you have to like prove who, who you've studied with and everything. So it's not like some listener today could be like, oh, I want to try to take the test and see how well I can do. You got to wait another 10 years. Like by the time you take it, Pluto's going to be in Aquarius. Um, so I took this <laughs> Holy test. Holy shit. <laughs> that's, and that's fucking wild. Oh, my God. I was one of the five out of 25 people who passed. 20 of the other people failed. And it was really amazing and it was really affirming for me. And I love it. And I love knowing that I was able to take this test and like do really well on it. But at the same time, there are many astrologers out there who've passed this test, but like, or who've passed any kind of astrology. I don't mean specifically my test, but there are plenty of astrologers out there who have all, all this proof of book smarts, but actually don't know how to do shit. And there are plenty mm. of astrologers who are the most brilliant, inventive astrologers you'll ever meet, but they've never done the certification because it never even crossed their mind to try. Mm. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I didn't, I didn't realize it was that like, that's that almost feels very it feels very apt actually that astrology kind of has that kind of very long almost internship built into it it feels very middle ages to me like very like guild oriented yeah totally. it's, it's very rigorous you know, yeah astrology is the study of time and space and if you've only been studying astrology for like a week in your apartment then you don't know much about time and space and astrology. You need to see these like cycles play out and you have to live through them. And 10 years, what in 10 years you haven't even experienced a Jupiter return. You really only learned really about the inner planets. You've seen a solar return, a Mars return, um, a Venus return, Mercury return. Uh, you, you've seen your progressed moon go through a few different signs. And maybe in your own personal life, you've lived through the um, Saturn return and the Uranus opposition, but you haven't, even at 10 years in your own astrological practice, haven't even seen a Jupiter return within your own practice. Yes, in your life, you have seen it in your own life, but not with like a client that you've been working with for 11 to 12 years, which is how long the Jupiter return is. I don't know if that really makes sense, but it's like you might have been alive for 30 years, but if you've only been studying astrology for two weeks, it's like it, it doesn't matter that you've seen two Jupiter returns in your life. You haven't seen it as a practicing astrologer. Yeah, you're not applying that knowledge yeah. to, like your life. Yeah. Yeah, and, and on that note, it, a lot of a lot of um a lot of uh, astrologers seem to critique this whole and this kind of came out of a came out of the seventy style astrology where they have the like the cookbook sort of phrases and whatnot in the back where it says like 
Mercury is thinking, and if you have thinking in this sign, then it means this, right? So you kind of like, it's like a play-by-numbers sort of thing. Do you think that the memification of astrology and the, and the people learning astrology through those memes, do you think it contributes to that sort of understanding of astrology rather than, uh, rather than looking at it as that dynamic, all-encompassing, as you so wonderfully put it, study of time and space? Yeah, I mean, basically what you're doing if you're saying Mercury is thinking is you're creating a flashcard. And if you have right. a test coming up in a week and you need to cram all this information in, sure, I guess flashcards could work. But that's, if you're an astrologer, you probably don't have a test that you need to take on Friday, right, about astrology. And to be a good astrologer means that you've experienced these things and you don't need to make a flashcard for it because you've lived through it. You know, a similar example is that when I was studying the tarot, what I did was each evening I, I did a meditation with a specific with with one of the cards in the deck. So I would sit for 20 minutes and just have the card on like an altar table in front of me. And I would just kind of do a breathing exercises and just gaze on it for like 15 to 20 minutes. And then for the next 24 hours, I, I would live out that card like things would just happen to me that were clearly the definition of those cards. And that's kind of like a, you know, um, a more kind of compact example of how you can sort of will like this energy to come in. But if you're an astrologer, the way that you kind of do that tarot exercise is you open your chart in the morning and you say, hey, where's the moon? Because if mm -hmm. you see where the moon is in your chart and you live out your day thinking about that, you're going to have an experiential, you're going to have a learning experience through it. And you're going to know what the moon and X, Y, Z mean in a certain house means, not because of a flashcard, but because you actually lived through it. And you can remember, oh, yeah, that happened to me that time. Oh, yeah. I, I totally. actually, I've seen that at my workplace as I work in nightlife. So I, I work like a DIY after hour spots. And I worked, what was it? Was it a week or two ago? recently was the uh, was the full moon in Pisces and I remember that mm -hmm. night just being aware of that and it, everybody was absolutely shithoused and just tripping balls and, and and rolling around on the ground and it was just it was absolutely nuts and I was just like and but then I, I, I thought back to a couple weeks beforehand where I had worked with the moon in Capricorn and everybody was very sober no one was buying drinks people were talking about like uh, like people were like networking and handing each other business cards it was like very literal to see that played out and it was it was a very it was a really trippy experience to to not only see that in my own life but to see it in a kind of like controlled space in a way yeah i think that's, that's cool. beautiful and i think that is what will make you a, a phenomenal astrologer because you've noticed these things and now when you meet someone who was born during a pisces full moon you're going to have the, that image of that night with you and you're going to be able to have a really interesting conversation with them. Right. Oh, well, that. yeah. Yeah, that's if, yeah. I mean I can't see yeah, Owen right now, but I can feel him glowing. Like I can feel him <laughs> glowing from that compliment like oh, all the way over here. I I will <laughs> have I, Leo I, somewhere. Uh, yeah, mine's mine's uh, <laughs> in Venus. Venus is in Leo, so yeah, so definitely she can definitely feel me. My Venus is in Leo. That thanks. Yeah. Oh thanks God. Sarah. I'm like like literally blushing. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can sense it. The Venus and Leo recognizes Venus and Leo, like game, like game, recognize game, game, recognize game. <laughs> Hell like, yeah. Yeah, we both need people to tell us that we're pretty a lot. Are, 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 we, are we yours conjunct? Are you, is your sun conjunct your Venus? No, <laughs> I, I actually don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> um, I should actually look that up. But yeah, I mean, um, we'll let you go in a second, Annabelle. But I guess before we go, um, well, are there any interesting astrological events coming up that, that people should be aware of? Not just in the next couple of months, but as you said, in the next like 
few years looking forward to the future i know everyone i think in america it's it's very tempting to kind of live by like election cycles because it's a very it fits into a nice little narrative that we can all sort of enjoy but i think that like looking at things in an astrological narrative might be a better progression of that because you're kind of looking at things in a longer term and then looking at things like beyond just like the cycles that we've kind of artificially created so beyond just 2018 or if there's there's something interesting coming up in 2018 like what's the world looking like in 2020 or beyond 2020 well this autumn we are going to have a venus retrograde in scorpio which i am excited about and whenever there's a venus retrograde in our personal lives we reevaluate what's valuable and important to us but also in the grand scheme just as americans or wherever you are what country you're in there's going to be this collective kind of regrouping on like, what are our values? You know, it's Venus is going to be retrograde in Scorpio. The question is going to be, do we respect other people's boundaries? Do we respect other people's stuff? Are we able to get deep with people? Are we, are we able to get intense and to do all that in a consensual and respective, respectful way? Um, and then also later this year, Jupiter, which is a planet of growth and expansion, is going to enter Sagittarius, which is the sign that it rules. So it's really awesome to have a planet move into a sign that it feels comfortable in because it can really do what it wants to do. And what Sagittarius wants, I'm sorry, what Jupiter wants to do is it wants to grow and um, wants us in Sagittarius to travel and to learn new things. And I think that foreign relations are probably going to become very interesting over this next year with Jupiter in Sagittarius and going into 2020 Saturn will enter Aquarius so right now we have Pluto in Capricorn and Saturn in Capricorn but in 2020 um, Saturn is going to enter Aquarius and we're going to be kind of leaving behind this Capricorn energy and kind of paving the way to move into this more Aquarian zone so the metaphor that I have for this is that Capricorn is the business person and if we think about Capricorn as this like sea goat, imagine mm-hmm. a business building, like a, a building just filled with offices. So maybe it's a financial bit building or something like that. The, you know, little Capricorn swims out from like, you know, the East River and like, you know, flops its way over to this Wall Street big bank building and is on the <laughs> ground floor. And then through all 30 degrees of Capricorn's um of Capricorn's, you know, uh, degrees in the zodiac, this little sea goat is climbing from floor to floor. When we think of, you know, goats, right, they love to climb mountains. They want to get to the top. So we have this goat climbing up all the floors of this business building. And then at 29 degrees Capricorn, the sea goat has reached the very top and they are the CEO of the company with like the office with a view and they've made it, right? Mm -hmm. So now the next degree after that, is zero degrees Aquarius. So now it's time for the Capricorn to evolve into the Aquarius. And this Capricorn says, all right, my day at the office is done. I am CEO now. I've done everything I needed to do. Now I have to go to Aquarius land, which is meeting with a group of people, right? Because Aquarius has to do with community and like humanity and like all of us being connected intellectually i'm going to go meet with all of the other ceos and we're going to talk about how we can change the world how we can invent new things how we can change the way we do everything because aquarius is like the sign of the future and of technology so as 
Pluto moves through Capricorn and we have Saturn in Capricorn, we're going to be figuring out who amongst all of these business people are responsible and who aren't responsible. And when Saturn enters Aquarius, it's going to be like, all right, if you have been a good CEO, you get to graduate to the next step. And if you've been a bad CEO, then you don't get to. You don't get to go play with all the other Aquarians in that fancy secret society room talking about what's going to go on for us all next politically and in the future and all that kind of stuff. So could it I'm sorry if that was very long-winded, but basically Saturn's going to enter Aquarius and uh, only people who have mastered the uh, Capricorn archetype are going to be able to retain power and Capricorn is the planet of authority and will be able to retain authority. Cool. Could it could it also be like thinking about like business and the way that it's kind of, you know, impacting all of us right now and thinking about Aquarius as kind of this like revolutionary energy. Could it also be sort of like um, taking that energy and that wealth and that that knowledge that's been being that's going to be slowly accumulating over the next few years in Capricorn, could the Aquarian energy be be about bringing that kind of stuff down to like the community and bringing it down to like the people? Yes, too? and okay. yes, and in my example, I use the example of a CEO, but we're all a, we're all a CEO in our lives in some way. All of us in our own lives, you know, whether or not you work in banking, like this metaphor applies to all of us. And in our own communities, we're going to be able to prove whether or not we can climb to the top of those communities and take leadership positions. And if we can, when Saturn enters Aquarius, we're going to be able to affect really important change and we'll be able to meet with the people who are able to kind of do that. And again, Aquarius has a lot to do with the collective and this is totally all about activism and, and revolution and people coming together to make great changes. But it's not just any old people. It's the people who've earned it and who've proved that they can be, who, who have proved that they will stick up for their community and have proved that they have like um, the, I, the I don't chops. want to call resources, but like the knowledge about how to organize. Because if you just wake up one day and you've never been to a protest in your life and don't know how to organize people, you're not really probably going to go very far. But if you have experience doing that, then there's a whole bunch that you can do to change the world. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I feel that way sometimes. Like I feel kind of like how we were talking about people learning astrology through memes. I sometimes feel like there's a there's now become a, a culture of like almost like online activists who are very on Twitter mm -hmm. and it's like, well, I think you're very on Twitter because you're actually not out there doing too much. Well, those but. are the people who are still stuck in Saturn in Sagittarius mode because Sagittarius is the preacher and it's a lot of talking and it's, and it is a lot about inspiring people through words. So Saturn mm -hmm. and Sagittarius, we're all talking a lot about these kinds of things. But then when Saturn entered Capricorn, there became more of this energy of like, all right, how do we do right? Capricorn is an earth sign. And of course, I'm not saying that, prior to Saturn and Capricorn no one was doing. I just mean that like on a wide scale, a lot of people weren't really aware of activism or how to get involved mm. until, you know, people started utilizing things like Twitter. So it's all this like scale of evolution. And it's great that during Saturn and Capricorn, people are learning what to do and how to actually put those voices that they enjoy hearing and that, and the, you know, that whether, even if it's their own voice that they enjoy hearing, how to put it into action. Yeah. That's that's awesome. It's like time to get real. Yeah, absolutely. I want to give you at least a chance while we've got you, Annabelle, to like plug anything that you've got going on. Tell the folks at home about what podcasts you're working on, what books you're working on. 
Yes. So I write the daily and monthly horoscopes over on Broadly, and I love writing those. So if you are interested in horoscopes, go check them out. I have a weekly sex and spirituality podcast that I do with Sophie St. Thomas called The Serpent Cast. And I also have my own weekly astrology podcast called Annabelle Gatz Astrology Show. You can find them both on iTunes. And I'm also working on a book. It doesn't have a title yet, but it will be coming out in fall 2019 with Chronicle Books. And it's all about astrological love and sex compatibility. So if people want to follow me over on Instagram at Annabelle Gatt, A-N-N-A-B-E-L-G-A-T, or over on Twitter at Annabelle Gatt underscore, I will be keeping everyone up to date on when the book comes out and, of course, posting links to my podcasts and horoscopes. Amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for the astrology book to come out from you, Annabelle. I've got I've got many I've got many questions. I yeah, I've got many I've got many thoughts, many questions, many questions needing answering. So I can't wait to see that come out. Well, a signed copy is going to be coming to both of you very soon. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. (gasps) Yes. All right. Um, Thank you so much, Annabelle. Have a great rest of your day. And thanks for coming to Pop Cole. You too. Thank you so much. I can't wait to listen to your new podcast it's going to be so amazing i can already you the, both of you have amazing energy and are so smart and funny so i'm so excited oh my god thank you i'm like glowing right now yeah oh my god thank all right you. <laughs> all right bye everyone bye annabelle all right thank you for joining us everyone my name is sarah lyons you can find me on instagram at city mystic and my name is owen ginley you can find me on instagram at my last name underscore my first name is g-i-n-l-e-y underscore o-w-e-n our theme song was done by Vanessa Irena of Knife Sex. You can find her on Instagram at Knife Sex. And our logo was done by The Sigilist. You can find them on Instagram at The Sigilist. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much. Bye.